Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to the latest issue of the Oliver's Insights podcast. This week we're going to take another look at the Reserve Bank, which seems to attract a lot of interest these days. The good news is that they left interest rates on hold for the second month in a row at 4.1%. That's a bit of a reprieve for homeowners who have seen a massive rate hikes over the course of the last, uh, or at least the period, since May of last year. The decision to leave interest rates on hold we think was a pretty close call, but it was at least consistent with our own view where we thought the Reserve Bank would opt to leave rates on hold given the weaker than expected inflation retail sales data that we got last week. The continuing pause in rate hikes comes after the biggest interest rate hiking cycle of 400 basis points or 4% over 14 months since the late 1980s. Now, of course, back in the late 1980s, interest rates went a lot higher and That was an environment, though, of much lower household debt and much higher inflation expectations than we have today. In particular, the ratio of household debt to income back in 1989 was about one third of what it is today. So you can make an argument that a 17% mortgage rate back then is roughly equivalent to a 6% mortgage interest rate today, which, of course, we are surpassing. Of course, we all know what happened after that rate hiking cycle in the late 1980s. The Reserve Bank went too far. And we had the recession that Paul Keating said we had to have. In leaving the cash rate on hold at 4.1%, the Reserve Bank noted yet again that interest rates have already been increased by 4%. Higher rates are working to establish a more sustainable balance between supply and demand. Uncertainty remains high and that staying on hold provides further time to assess the outlook. Now that point about getting a more sustainable balance between supply and demand is critical because if you think about the last 18 months, the initial problem was a big hit to supply given COVID distortions, but we also saw a big surge in demand. So what the central bank, the reserve bank and other central banks around the world have been trying to do is to cool things down a bit to reduce demand back to a level more consistent with supply in order to get inflation back down. Now, of course, when combined with the lower than expected inflation retail sales data that we've seen over the last week and little in the way of significant change to the Reserve Bank's key economic forecasts, the decision to hold again, we think, was a very sensible one. In particular, the Reserve Bank noted that the recent data are in fact consistent with their assumptions and forecasts that inflation will return to target by 2025. In fact, we think that it could occur a little bit earlier than that. On the hawkish side, the Reserve Bank remains concerned that inflation is still too high with services prices rising briskly. And I'm thinking here, of course, of rents and electricity prices. I think many of us have got that letter in the mail from our electricity provider warning us of those big hikes to occur from July onwards. So they're already kicking in. The Reserve Bank also noted that the labour market remains very tight and that productivity needs to pick up. As such, it retained its guidance that some further tightening of monetary policy, in other words, rate hikes, may still be required to ensure that inflation returns to target in a reasonable time frame. However, it also reiterated that this will depend on how the data regarding economic activity and inflation evolves and that it will continue to look closely at the global economy, household spending, inflation and the labour market, along, of course, with uh, broader indicators beyond that. But that seems to be their key focus at present, those indicators, global economy, household spending, particularly retail sales, inflation and the labour market. In particular, the RBA now appears to be giving more weight to the downside risk to the economic outlook flowing from the lags with which monetary policy impacts the economy and uncertainties around household spending. This was 
particularly evident in the minutes that related to the previous July meeting where they indicated a risk that unemployment could rise further and faster than they really require to get inflation back down to a sustainable level. So that's obviously becoming more of a concern in their mind. In other words, the decision around interest rates is becoming a lot more even-handed than has been the case over the course of the last 18 months or the period at least since April of last year. Even though rates were left on hold, the rate hikes since April last year mean that a variable rate borrower with a $600,000 mortgage will have seen something like a $1,300 a month increase in their monthly mortgage payments. That's for an extra $15,700 a year, even if the borrower has managed to get a 0.5% discount to their mortgage rate by, say, phoning up their bank or maybe switching to another bank, it would amount to an extra $13,300 per annum, which is a big hit to household spending power. Many of those on fixed rates are now starting to experience that increase this quarter in one jump. Now, it's worth stressing here. It's not necessarily the case that we're going to have an avalanche of people defaulting on their loans. But when you see those sorts of hits to household spending power, it actually has a big impact on the economy because people will do whatever they can to try and service their loan, even if it means cutting back on lots of other things like swimming lessons for the kids, going on that holiday, upgrading the car, getting a new lounge setting, all those sorts of things. And when you cut back on all those sorts of things, that's where the impact on the economy comes. And of course, there's a flow on to that. If unemployment starts rising, then of course, it could lead to a, a big increase in the risk of people defaulting on their loans beyond what is already the case with high interest rates. Our view remains that Reserve Bank has already done more than enough to slow the economy in order to bring inflation back to target. We know that inflation is a lagging economic indicator. In fact, I talked about that in my podcast last week. It lags where the economy is. So yes, inflation right now is still too high at 6%, but with the economy slowing down to a crawl, or at least to very low rates with a high risk of recession, that means that demand is cooling and inflation will continue to likely, or likely at least, to continue to slow over the course of the next year. Now, of course, the key point in all of this is that rate hikes normally impact the economy with up to a one-year lag. This time around, that lag has likely been lengthened by savings buffers built up through the pandemic, the reopening boost over the course of the last 18 months. More than normal, home borrowers locking in at 2% or so fixed mortgage rates in the pandemic and its immediate aftermath and the highly competitive mortgage market, which has meant that actual mortgage rates paid on outstanding mortgages have gone up by less than the cash rate. However, these protections are likely now wearing off, particularly with many fixed rate mortgages resetting to mortgage rates that are three times or so their initial fixed rate and banks becoming more focused on maintaining their profit margins. In fact, we are now seeing increasing evidence that rate hikes are biting with falling real retail sales, a sharp fall in building approvals, slowing business investment, slowing GDP growth, more negative corporate commentary, rising insolvencies, indications of a slowing jobs market. And of course, this is all occurring at a time when inflation is falling faster than the Reserve Bank was expecting. As a result of ongoing rate hikes, the risk of recession in Australia over the next year is now very high. And we've been on record as saying that risk is as high as 50%. Consumer spending is almost certain to start going backwards later this year as the 4% plus cash rate is pushing debt servicing costs into record territory as a share of household income. And on the RBA's own analysis, 15% of households with a variable rate mortgage, which is about 1 million people, will be cash flow negative by year end at a 3.75% cash rate. And of course, we all know that we've gone well beyond that. At the same time, our Australian inflation indicator continues to point to a further rapid fall in inflation ahead. Continuing to raise interest rates, we think, will only add to the already very high risk of unnecessarily knocking the economy into recession. At the 
the very least, the economy is likely to have slowed substantially by year end and into early next year, with unemployment starting to rise faster than the RBA is allowing for. Given the lags involved and the increasing signs that the monetary tightening is working, it makes sense for the RBA to sit back and exercise patience over the next few months so it can better assess the impact of the rate hikes that we've seen over the course of the period since May last year. And I suspect the evidence will show that they've already done enough. While the risk for interest rates are still on the upside, and of course the Reserve Bank is still warning of that, that it may still have to raise interest rates further, those risks have become a lot more balanced now and future moves will be more data dependent, i.e. dependent on how the economy is unfolding. We think that cash rate is either at, or if not, then very close to the top. And we are continuing to allow for four rate cuts through 2024, starting in or around February as the economy and inflation slows further. I hope that's been of some value. Until we meet again, adios. To keep up to date with Dr. Oliver in the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favourite streaming platform.